We're going to be reading from the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of that. We're going to be reading from Romans chapter 15, verses 7 through 9. Therefore, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given the glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing your praises to your name. You may be seated. Thanks, John. Hey, we are about to wrap up Romans here, guys. We've been in here, if you're new, a guest today, first time. We've been studying Romans. We've, we divided up where we did a section, took a break from it, did another section, took a break, and we're on the last section right now. And we are in chapter 15. There's only 16 chapters, so we will finish that next week. And it's been a journey. It's been great. And I'll be talking today about living an other's first life. I, I, I have this basic belief that you don't have to agree to, because we talked about last week, we don't have to agree with everybody's personal convictions. Um, but I have this basic belief, this basic conviction that I believe in the goodness of all people, that I believe that, that deep down we all want to do good. We all want to do good. We don't always do good, but our heart, we want to do good. We have this goodness. And I know we've got evil there as well. I know there's some, but, but just this general goodness of all people. And one of the times I experienced this was when I was in youth ministry and we were selling Christmas trees. We, we were selling Christmas trees and it's a lot of work. I would never recommend that to, to raise money unless you just really just are glutton for punishment because it's a lot of work. You got to keep the trees alive you got to guard the trees. So it has to be somebody out there guarding the trees uh, so nobody steals them. And because and I, I believe in the goodness of all people, that's why we did that. But anyway, I just kind of. <laughs> anyway, but here's my story. We got down to like five trees left. There are five trees left. And we had been out there. We had, we had spent the night at the church office just taking care of everything. And just we'd sold all but five. And they were, they were, they were some sad looking trees, y'all. They were, they were Charlie Brown trees. And, and so we just put the trees by the door and said, $20 or whatever, $20 OBO or best offer. And, and just, we said, just slide the, slide the cash under the door, slide the check under the door. And we came back and we did it on Friday, came back on Sunday. And guess what? All the trees were gone and people had paid for four out of five. I felt pretty good about that. I thought that's the goodness of all people, that, that most people are, are good in that way. And so when we get to Romans 15, Paul is basically talking to these two groups of people, talking about that that's the way we ought to, that's the way it ought to be. It ought to be this goodness of all people. And so he's talking to two different groups of people. And I, I know we've, we've hammered this, but I'm trying to get to make sure you see how difficult it was. We have this church in Rome, which is made up of Jewish people their whole life. They followed the Old Testament, made sacrifices, offerings, uh, special days and everything. So that's one group of people in the church. And then we got the Gentile people their whole life. They've worshiped pagans. They've done, they've been at temples, idols, everything like that. And they've all accepted Christ and they're trying to figure out how to do life together. And Paul's going to say in chapter 15, and it's kind of a shotgun blast of what to do of just our really just having general goodness towards everyone. And, and, and I think about when I think about, I think about the two verses uh, that come to mind is Jesus said that we're to do to others as 
we would have them do to us, not as we would do to us, that we would have them do to us, we wouldn't do to others as we have them do to us. And then, and then Jesus said that love your neighbor as yourself. And so I feel like chapter 15 today is kind of the shotgun blast of us having general goodness towards all people. And here's how you do it. You put other people first. You put other people first. You think that you put yourself first. No, you put other people first. And so today I'm going to be giving you five ways to live an other other's first life. Five ways to live an other's first life. And I'm going to ask you to hold your connect card because at the end of the message, I'm going to ask you to focus on one. I know that when, whenever you have five, you may not be able to remember five, but we can all remember one thing. And so I ask you to remember one. So here we go. The first is this. Consideration is my motivation. Consideration is my motivation. Paul starts off talking about we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. And we talked about what he's talking about is that some people are sensitive about personal convictions, certain issues like Kay dropped the communion on the floor. And how many, how many would have eaten it right then? You know, five second rule. How many would like that was, uh, you know, I can't do that. That's okay. It's okay. It's just a personal conviction. What I love about it is that he didn't miss a beat. You know, that thing hit the floor and it, it wasn't even a second, y'all. It's like, boom. And so anyway, we have these personal convictions. We eat off the floor, don't eat off the floor, or we, we do this. We don't do this. It's not scriptural. And he's saying some people are weak in some areas. Some people are strong, but he makes this statement. He says, we must not just please ourselves. We should help build, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't come to please himself. And so we all know the power of when people have been inconsiderate to us. We all know what that feels like. It's not very much fun, is it? We even say, that was so inconsiderate. That's what we say. We say to him, it was so inconsiderate. We know what that feels like. But I want to share this with you. There is power when you and I are considerate. When we, when we are considerate, when we put others first, when we think about the other person, it is a powerful, powerful moment that, man, they received something that they didn't earn. They received something that they didn't expect. They received something that they can't buy. It is just simply our willingness to love them unconditionally, that we are considerate towards them. And it's easy to do sometimes with people that we like, but the truth is it's, it's, it's one of the most difficult things to do in general. Now, my boys wrestled at Social Circle. You've heard me talk about this. We had some really, really good teams. I mean, really, really good teams. Teams that, like, they were a double-A school, and we would wrestle teams that were seven-A schools, and we would destroy them. I know you think that's crazy. I mean, I'm talking about someone, we would destroy them. But here's the thing that, the, that I loved about being part of Social Circle. We weren't jerks. We weren't jerks about it. And one time, this kid moved into there, and, and, and we were at this wrestling, and I think I've told this story before. Well, anyway, his mom started yelling, his kid, her son was wrestling, and he was winning, and she started yelling, rub his face in the mat. And I think she thought we were all going to get excited, but I was like, what are you talking about? Because we'd all had our kids. Listen, let me tell you something about my son. My son's a good wrestler, but he's had moments where someone has literally took his face and wiped the mat up with it, because there's always somebody better. There's always somebody better. And so we've always tried to be considered. I've always tried to be considered in sports. Not only that, I've always tried to be considered in, in ministry and dealing with people. And it, man, it makes a huge difference. Years ago, I spoke at something with another pastor who had had all these allegations against him. All his dirty laundry was out in the public. And I think he thought that I was going to be a jerkwad to him, but I wasn't. I, I, I just, I don't feel like that's my job, y'all. 
And I'll never forget, he wrote me a note after that, that, that moment was over, a week or two later, and he said, thank you. Thank you for treating me with dignity. Man, isn't that what we're supposed to do? And Paul's saying the same thing here. Listen, you and I ought to be, consideration ought to be our motivation. We ought to think about others, how they feel, how it's going to affect them, what their situation's like, what their past is like, what that moment's like. And Paul says, when we do that, that's a powerful moment. Second thing is this, is learn to harmonize. Learn to harmonize. I'm running through these real fast because I'm going somewhere. Learn to harmonize. Now, there are two things. Here's funny. When Cam's last Sunday was here, that they did this special song for Cam. I don't know if you remember. They did a special song at the end, and, uh, and, and there's this text thread going around that Cam didn't know about, and I asked them, did they want me to sing the melody or the harmony? Well, they didn't want me to sing at all. I knew that. See, melody is what you sing with everybody else. Harmony is when you use your voice to blend to make the everything sound better. Now, here's the truth. We've all heard when this doesn't sound good, haven't we? Every now and then that happens in here. That's usually my voice. You know what I'm talking about? Every now and then we hear, we hear, we hear this, this, what is that? It's pitchy. There's something not quite right. Somebody is trying to blend their voice and it's not working. As a matter of fact, I'll give you another example. We've all seen the marching band. You ever seen the marching band when the one guy's not doing what everybody else is doing? Like everybody else is in rhythm, they're in sync. The one guy's not. We've seen that. We've seen it. That's what he says that when we don't harmonize, that's what we look like to the world. And so we're going to learn to harmonize. Here we go. A scripture right here. He says, may God who gives us this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony. Complete harmony. Complete harmony with one another. People we like, people we don't like. People that are Democrats, people that are Republicans, people that vote like us, don't vote like, people that don't vote at all, people that like the Bulldogs, people that don't like the Bulldogs, people that like the Falcons that are suffering their whole lives. You know what I'm talking about as Falcons fans. We, you know, we're just, we're just going to live in complete harmony with these people because it's hard to be a Falcons fan. I've tried to explain this. But we're going to learn to harmonize, and this is how you do it. You have to blend your voice. You blend your voice, which means you're taking your voice to make things better, not to make things worse. I'm going to say this again. We're going to learn to harmonize. That's where you take your voice to make things better, not to make things worse. That means that, and when I say this, that you're not going to, I talk about this all the time. You're probably tired of it. We're not going to complain all the time. We're not going to put other people down. We're not going to push our agenda all the time. We're going to use our voice to make things better. We're going to blend to make it sound better because this is what he says. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we will join together and we will make one sound, one voice. When you and I refuse to harmonize, when we, use, when we refuse to, to blend our voice, we are like the guy in the marching band that sits out of sync. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1. I want you to hear this. He said, you may, have a, you may have a spiritual gift. You may have the gift of tongues. That's what he says, you may have the gift of tongues. He says, you may be able to prophesy. You may, be, you may give a bunch of money to the poor. He says, but if you don't love, he says, you are like an annoying sound. He says, you're like a, a clanging cymbal, a banging gong. That's what he says you're like, that you're like. And it's just after a while, it is just noise and it's annoying. And we don't want to be annoying. We want to use our voice, our life to blend with others, to make one voice for God that man just sounds great. That people go, that's awesome. The third one is this, is that we are going to accept 
without exceptions. I hit this last week. We're going to accept without exceptions, meaning that we're going to accept people, whether we like them, don't like them. And look, this is the hardest part of Christianity, that we're going to love our neighbors like ourselves, that we're going to do unto others as we'd have them do unto us. And we're just simply going to accept people. The scripture right here, I'm not going to hit it very long because I hammered it last week. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. Listen to me. How has Christ accepted us? I'll give you the words, just as you are. The one who could made exceptions and said, I won't accept you, won't accept you, you've done this, you've done that, you've done that, refused to do that. The one who could have said, hey, I'm drawing some lines here, none of y'all measure up, you, don't, you can't get in the club, you don't meet the criteria, he could have done all those things. He refused to do those things. And he accepted us just as we are. And he says we are to accept others because that's the way Christ has accepted us. Remember, remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to so that God is true. He's speaking to both groups of this church, that, that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came to the Gentiles that he might give glory to God for his mercies to them, meaning that he, Paul is saying, hey, he is for everyone, the Jew and the Gentile, whether you've been part of the Old Testament your whole life or you've been part of pagan worship, that Jesus came, he accepts everyone. And I'm here today to tell you, he accepts you and he asks us to accept other people, which leads me to four. I know you're going, this is going to be a quick sermon. Don't get your hopes up. All right, great. Make Jesus' mission your ambition. Make Jesus' mission your ambition. The scripture here just talks about our wanting to tell people about Christ, that one of the greatest acts of putting other people first is telling them about Jesus Christ. And it is probably the reason why you're here, that someone told you about Christ. And it's probably the reason why you've got friends here. It's probably the reason why, why your family's here, whatever, that we, we have had some people that their ambition was to tell us about Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Apostle Paul says this. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. Paul said, hey, I want to go where, no, where, where nobody's telling anybody about Jesus, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And here's the thing. You have that same opportunity. Our problem is this. Our ambitions get kind of warped sometimes. Our ambitions get out of focus. It, it, it really does become about us, about me and my stuff, my retirement, my 401k, my house, my car, my boat, my four-wheeler, my next vacation, and we get sideways on this, and that becomes our ambition. And Paul's saying, hey, no, 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 your ambition is an other first life where you're going to tell somebody at work, somebody at the ball field, somebody in your family, your neighbor, you're going to tell them about the good news that Jesus Christ has accepted them. And so your ambition is Jesus' mission. Jesus called us to go to the, all the world to do this. And listen, when we do this, when we put other people first and we tell them about Christ and there's harmony in that, it is a powerful force. And he goes on to say, those who have never been told about him will see. And those who have never heard of him will understand. Meaning it is powerful that when we do this and, and, and not looking, you hear me say it's not in a Bible thumping way, not in a way where we're judgmental, but in a loving way where we are just simply telling people about what Christ has done in our life and what he can do in their life. As a matter of fact, it's such a big part of Paul's ambition. Look at verse 22 here. 
He says, in fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I have been preaching in these places. He's like, hey, I wanted to come to Rome, but I needed to tell these other people about Jesus first. It was His ambition was so strong that I've delayed doing what I want to do, which is come to Rome. And he said, I've preached the gospel to these other people. The same thing ought to be true about us, that man, our ambition for Christ ought to be first and foremost, and everything else ought to be on the back burner. I'm going to say it again, that our ambition ought to be to tell people about Jesus Christ so much that everything else ought to be on the back burner. Our schedule, our agenda, our hopes, our plans, our dreams. And look, I know I'm hitting this strong because I'm telling you this makes a huge difference, which leads me to number five. Glad generosity. Glad generosity. So I'm going to walk through the first four before we get to the fifth. First one is this, is that you're going to be considerate. The second one, you're going to learn to harmonize. The third, you're going to accept everybody. The fourth, you're going to make Jesus mission, your ambition. And five is, is just glad generosity. You know what's funny is that I, I say this a lot. I used to be scared to talk about money. I did. I, when I got first got in this, I, I felt like, man, I'm nervous about talking about money. And I know you don't want me to talk about money, uh, some of you. And, and I get it because everybody thinks all the church wants is my I want to share this with you. We want more. We don't want just your money. Jesus doesn't just want your money. He wants your heart. And he said this, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, when my daughter was in high school, she made the competition cheerleading team at Eastside which sounds really, really great. I know nothing about cheerleading. But that man on Saturdays, when the Bulldogs were playing, I was at the cheerleading competition. Let me tell you something about cheerleading competition. That if you only had one day to live, (laughs) go to a cheerleading competition because that's the longest day of your life. (laughs) I'm telling you. But you know why I was there? Because my heart was there. My heart was there. And I got to where I, I, I could talk about some cheerleading stuff. I could do the wave, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we'd, we'd critique it. I'd, I got into it. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Paul's talking about the church. That one of the marks that we have is, man, we're glad when we get to be generous. We're glad. We're not begrudging, and 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 we're you know we're not sitting around going here we go again. Here we go. Look, read the scripture right here. Before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. The believers in Jerusalem were getting their teeth kicked in. They were being persecuted. It was terrible. And so these other believers feel so bad about it, and they know that their brothers and sisters are struggling in this other part of the country. And so, man, they are just, they're just like, what are we going to do? And since they were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them. They were glad. They were glad to give. They were glad to be generous. Since they received spiritual blessings of the good news from believers in Jerusalem, they felt the least that they could do in return was to help them financially. Listen to me. 
One of the marks of an other, other's first life is that, man, you're glad to give. You're glad to be generous. You, then I'm going to say this. You look for ways to do it. You just don't think about it on Sunday. Certainly Sunday is part of it. But you think about it on Monday, Tuesday. You think of people who are in need and you want to help. And you just simply want this to be part of life. And you know what? You're glad to do it. You're not doing it because, oh, man, I got to You're like, man, I, I can't wait to do this. And I have found that when you get to this place in your life that you want to help people and you're willing to give generously to help, that there is no greater joy. That, listen, I'll just say it. It's not found in a vacation. It's not found in a new purchase. That when you get to the point where you see that God has given you resources and you can help others with your resources and you want to be generous, that is a great way to live. Well, these five things, these five words right here, be considerate, harmonize, accept, mission, generosity. What's one that you could work on? What's one you could work on? Because it makes a difference in people's lives. I'm going to ask Vanessa Dooley to come on stage. She's going to share her story. And not every one of these is included explicitly, but she's going to tell her story about how God has changed her life through people living in others' first life. And Vanessa, I, tell her, I told him, she is one of our most expressive worshipers, which I love. And I appreciate you being here today and sharing your story. Would you welcome her warmly today? Thanks, Vanessa. I'm Vanessa, and this is my story. My parents divorced when I was three, and growing up, I always felt different because my parents weren't married. I was saved at the age of seven. Attending a small church allowed me to grow in my relationship with Christ and see him as a father, comforter, healer, and friend. In high school, I volunteered at Rockdale County Pure Court and was inspired to become a lawyer I graduated from UGA Law in May 2014. Go dogs! <laughs> it was one of the happiest moments of my life, and I knew it was because of God. I wanted to live somewhere new and decided on Washington State. Later, I passed the Washington State Bar, and I was offered a job to be a public defender. I represented adults who committed various misdemeanors. My clients were addicts, homeless, domestic violence victims, or just poor. And I got to see them on their worst day and help them to understand what was happening. One day I had a fever that would not break. I went to the ER and was diagnosed with lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune disease where your body can attack your organs at any time. The fear began to sink in. I was worried about what my life would look like going forward. While I tried to continue on with my job, things went downhill after I told my manager about my diagnosis. Within three months, I was let go. I I felt like a failure. After nine months, I transitioned to a new job rep representing parents in dependency court. Preparing for a child, I began to suffer from panic attacks and was later told that I had depression. Weeks went by and I didn't feel any better. Then one day I found myself staring at a bottle of antifreeze. I thought about my family and friends. I thought they wouldn't miss me because they're living their best life and I was just a burden anyways. I thought, if I can't be the lawyer that everyone wants me to be, then I'm useless. They don't need me anyways. As I put the bottle to my lips, I was reminded of my best friend's wedding. 
I didn't want to let her down, so I called the suicide hotline. A couple days later, I visited the doctor who changed my medication and sent me home. It took a couple weeks, but then I started to feel happier. I also started eating out more and shopping online. One night, I couldn't sleep and decided to go to the gym. My boyfriend tried to stop me from leaving the house and urged me to stay at home. When I refused, he called the police out of concern that I was a danger to myself. When the police came, they escorted me to an ambulance that would take me to the hospital where I would be admitted into the psych ward. Leaving the house that night, I felt betrayed, hurt, and scared. After I arrived at the hospital, the doctor diagnosed me with bipolar disorder. Bipolar is a mental illness that he described as having highs and lows and manic episodes. I was devastated. I spent a couple days being hospitalized and then was released. I decided to go to the last place I felt safe, Georgia. At that time, my sister invited me to celebrate recovery to hear her story. One Thursday, I remember coming through those doors, feeling past broken, but shattered. My life was not going how I thought it would, and I really didn't feel like seeing people. It felt awkward to be there, and I wondered, why is everyone smiling? <laughs> I kept coming back. I'm a private person, but sharing and hearing others share reminded me that I was not alone and that God loved me, even now. While I believed in God, I was angry that he let this happen to me. I had not one, but two illnesses with no cure. For me, having bipolar meant that I would not have control over my mind, and at any time, I could be hospitalized or hurt myself or others. What was the point of having this life if I had no control over it? Each week, I heard women speak about their struggle and their faith in God. Romans 15.7 says, Accept one another, then as Christ accepted you, in order to bring, bring praise to God. Those women loved me right where I was and accepted me even with all of my faults. But I struggled to hear God's voice. Slowly, I started to get out of my head and find myself having peace and trusting God a little more. I started to serve, passing the baskets, thinking that this was a way for me to give back. I hope that Eastridge is a place of hope and life change, but I also hope that you realize, like I did, that you matter and you are so, so loved. I find comfort in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. My strength comes not only from God, but also CR and the support of others at this church. Being at Eastridge has shown me how to be grateful, even though I have these illnesses and I don't know what my future holds. It is a support system in God's love that helps me to be hopeful that no matter what, I will make it through. Now I live my life expecting to see how God loves me. I want to experience how deep, how wide, and how great his love is for me. It is why I no longer see myself as shattered, but as a beautiful mosaic made with all the broken pieces of my life. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Listen, the way you live your life is important. Hear me. 
there's tons of Vanessas out there. Let's love people. Let's put them first. Let's live like Jesus did. Of those four things, those five things, what's one that you could do? Maybe, maybe you're just not very considerate. You're going to draw a line and say, look, I'm going to start thinking about how this affects other people. Or maybe instead of harmonizing, you're, 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 you're the one that creates havoc and chaos. You're going to stop doing that. I'm going to start blending and yielding what I want to, to make my voice sound better for Christ. Or maybe I have trouble accepting people. People I like, people I don't like, people that have hurt me, people that are different than me. Or maybe, man, you know what, you just been, you just, your ambition has not been the mission of Christ. Your ambition has been you. Or maybe it's generosity, that you've got resources, that God's blessed you, and you can use them for others. Look, I don't know how to tell you how to do it. I'm not here today to tell you how to do it. But I'm here today to tell you this, that when we do it, it affects people's lives for eternity. And that's what Christ has called us to do. That's who he's called us to be. That's what Paul was writing about here. That, Man, let's do these things. Because it is a beautiful picture when we do. And so how do you close this? I say choose one. I'm asking you to write it on your Connect card. There should be baskets in the back on your way out. Write it on your Connect card. Write the one. And I'm going to pray for you this week. All transparency, I probably won't email you this week. It's a holiday week. But I will pray for you. You write the one you're working on. And just know that you're being prayed for. The second thing is this, maybe today you need to accept Christ. You never understood that Jesus loved you that way, that he loves you the way he loves Vanessa, he loves you the way he loves me, that he accepts us for who we are in spite of ourselves. Or maybe today, man, you just, you just need to recommit yourself to the Lord. I'm going to ask Kenan to come up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. I'm going to sing a song, man, if the Lord's moving you. I would say respond. I'll be up front. would love to pray with you about whatever's going on in your life. I'm going to pray for you now. Father, Lord, help us to be more like you. Help us to think more about others. Lord, we've listed so many things here just about being considered or harmonizing, accepting, being on mission with you, or Lord, being generous. That when we do those things, they have eternal qualities. And people see you in them. So Lord, use us. I pray for us in the decisions we make today. I pray for the person here today that's never understood that you accept them. You don't care what they've done. You care less. That we're all sinners here. It's all flat before you. There's no hierarchy. We're all the same place. We're sinners and you're God and you're the Savior. And then, Lord, I pray for those here today that, man, we just need to recommit our lives to you. And I pray we do. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?